Welcome, everybody, to the KIRP Radio Show. 
I'm your host, Pudgy Miller, and we are back on the air once again, ready to do this thing one more time, man, show everybody how to get this thing popping. Uh, I want to welcome all the new listeners out there, Charlotte NC, I see you guys, appreciate all the love we're getting from Charlotte, a lot of new listeners from Charlotte, man, they're definitely showing us a little bit of attention over there. Uh, I was looking at, you know, some of the the leads that we've gotten and some of the new listeners and some of the new likers on the Facebook and the Twitter and all these other outlets that we have. And uh, we've been doing a little bit of international marketing. So, you know, shout out to the folks in Egypt out of all places. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that's about. Uh, I saw like 120 or 1,020 or something like that new listeners over there in, in Egypt. So, you know, hey, wherever you are, I appreciate the love, man. So shout out to all our people out there in Egypt, man. And, and you know, a lot of things going on in Egypt, a lot of conversation. And, uh, you know, I had no idea, but it is what it is. So shout out to the people out there in Egypt, Africa. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's exciting, man. You know, we're trying to do some new things out here, man. So I appreciate the love no matter what happens and how it's done. I appreciate the love, you know, from all over the world. Um, we definitely try to inspire a lot of different people. You know, we definitely talk about a lot of different topics. And, uh, you know, whether you are conservative or not, you know, the KRP radio show should be a home for you. You know, this is a place where you can come and you can vent or, you know, you could call in or you could just sit back and listen um, to some of the things that I have to say, because, you know, like I always tell people, we define conservatism ourselves. You know, I can find, I, I define what conservatism means to me. Uh, and, and you know, maybe there are people out there that define conservatism in a way uh, in their own words or in their own beliefs or what may have you. And uh, to me, that's fine. You know, you define it however you see fit, but there are a few basic principles you know, that can't be overshadowed. And I, and I think a lot of people forget that, you know, over, over this past month, uh, you know, like I said last week, the elephant in the room right now is uh, the Trayvon Martin story. And, uh, you know, George Zimmerman and, and, you know, my heart and my prayers go out to both of those families and all the people in social media, all the people around the world in all these different lands, that that have been affected by what I consider a media hypocrisy. You know, I consider this being a media uh, 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 avalanche, if you will. You know, a, a, a media time bomb, a media uh, uh, catastrophic event. Um, you know, being a father and being a black man alone, because you know this this is so much about instigating in race, and and you know the president spoke on that. Uh, uh, this past week And You know a lot of people feel some kind of way Man some people like it some people don't You know it is what it is But I, I'm just going to say this before I put it to rest um, At the end of the show I'm going to paint Because this show is not about George Zimmerman It's not about a Trayvon Martin And I, w I wasn't I'm not going to do a show on that story Um, You know If I'm pushed to by some of my listeners, and I, and I feel like there's a need to heal people or there's a need to teach people or, or a need to help uh, uh, maybe expose some of these media outlets through this case, you know, maybe that's what we'll do. But 
I feel like I owe it to a lot of my listeners out there and a lot of people who listen to the show uh, to at least give my opinion on what I believe happened or, or to at least try to bring some clarity to this media uh, mess that they've created. You know, a, a new, it's like they've awakened a sleeping giant. So anyway, at the end of the show, I'm going to paint the picture uh, with my own paintbrush. I'm going to, you know, I, I look at situations that I've been through and uh, some things that I've per- personally experienced, and, and I look at some things that, you know, other people that I know have been through and some things that I've seen, and, you know, I, I look, I take all that into context, man, and I, and I really sit back and I evaluate the situation uh, uh, with George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin and those families and this media storm and all these things that we're going through and listening to what the media is putting out there and the other things that people are, that hate, that some people are perpetuating. And, and I look back and I look at all those things and I think back to uh, the early commentary that I heard from uh, uh, Mr. George Zimmerman and, uh, you know, taking his words only, not not court papers, not court documents. I didn't, I didn't follow the case on TV, you know, um, so I just take into account the things that he said, and, and that's what I use to paint my own picture for me to understand uh, what I think happened that night. Being have been in a in a in a situation not exactly like what Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman has been through, but I've been in several situations that are very similar to what these guys uh, 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 the experiences. That that you know that happened surrounding the Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman case. So I'm just gonna hope to enlighten some people uh, towards the end of the show about that. <clears throat> hope I can uh, you know be a beacon of light to some people and and kind of paint the situation different. You know, uh, w- one thing about crises is that you know the media is always behind any particular crisis. Uh, it, it's always the media that decides what's a crisis and what's not a crisis. It's always the media that decides what's good and what's bad for the country. It's always the media that decides what's important to us and what's not important to us. And and it's an amazing thing because, you know, we're living in an age of technology, you know, in the age where television doesn't really matter anymore. So what TV has done, and, and, and by the way, folks, this is not even the topic of the show, <laughs> Uh, for you all that's listening, you guys know we're going to have my man Algernon Cash come on, uh, Director Warden and Gladden. This man is is, is, is a tremendous gentleman, uh, Chairman NC Energy, NC for Energy. So he's going to come on and we're going to talk about jobs and, you know, we're going to talk about a couple of bills out there and a couple of things that are going on in North Carolina. Uh, but anyway, just going back to what I was saying prior to letting you guys know what the show is about this evening. It's always the media that, that paints the picture for us. And and the most amazing thing about that is that, you know, it's 2013, you know, we're at the brink of technology. Everything is now. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, you can have it right now. This is such a microwave society where you can, if you want to know what's going on in England, you know, you can click a link on your computer and you can get to the information that will lead you to what's going on in England for what it's worth. Or, you know, maybe you can uh, log on to an international social blog where the people are talking about what's happening and not the news outlets reporting it via computer, which would come from a TV as well. But 
what I'm saying is, you know, there's access to whatever we want to know, whatever we want to hear, whatever we want to experience. There's access to that. So the rebuttal of what I believe has happened with television and television programming is that reality TV has upstaged all of that. And the reason reality TV has has, has taken taken such a, a a storm in television programming is because let's face it, we're nosy. <laughs> you know, as a society, we're nosy. Everybody's nosy. We all want to know what's going on in our neighbor's home, what's going on uh, uh, at the job while we're not there, what's going on in Alaska, and, and I've never been in Alaska, but what's going on in Alaska, what's going on in New York. You know, we're nosy. We want to know now what's going on all over the world so we can feel like we're a part of that, so we can feel like we experienced that, or so we can say we saw that or or something. You know, so human nature is is a very peculiar thing. I mean, we're very nosy beings, and, and we always want to know what's going on in other people's lives and other folks' lives from behind their eyes. That's why reality TV has taken off and is so popular now. And, it, and if you turn the pages back, you know, it kind of started with, with uh, 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 court shows. Uh, it started with talk shows. It started with uh, uh, the cops and the, you know, bad boys and all this good stuff. And those programs have evolved into what we have now, which is craziness. You know, reality TV now is just absolutely crazy. I mean, you got all these housewives of this and that and the other. You got uh, mob wives and all these fathers and this catfish, whatever that is. And I mean, it's it's so much stuff going on now that's surrounding reality TV, and it's so popular because for the simple fact that the beings inside of us, who we really are, it's just nosy. You know, if if you just take this for what it's worth, if you go to the gym, right? Most people go to the gym to exercise, you know, folks want to work out. They might go play a little tennis, a little racquetball, a little b-ball. They might go swimming. You know, who knows why people go to the gym. But for the, for the most part, we go to the gym to work out, to exercise, and third, to socialize while we're doing all those other things too. And a huge part of this socializing and, and a huge part of this interaction is rumors. It's, man, it's Romerville. You know, same thing for school, same thing for the supermarket, uh, magazines that we read. You know, everywhere we go, people are talking about the lives of other people. People are talking about rumors. They're talking about what happened on TV. You know, they're talking about what they saw in their neighborhood. And you hardly ever hear, you know, people trading ideas on how to be better individuals or you know, if they're church people, you you might hear them uh, exchanging scriptures or, you know, trying to empower each other or inspire each other. You know, you might hear some of those people do that or or just, you know, positive people for what it's worth, period. You may hear them people, those people talking about it. But for but at the end of the day, I don't think I've ever been through one 24-hour period without talking to someone and them or either myself having a conversation about something we saw someone else do, something we saw, so, something we heard someone else say, or about someone else, period. And and that's a sad thing. But, you know, this is what we're experiencing nowadays. 
here's the things that TV does. Reality TV show has taken a large forefront in America, in, in this world, and, and you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. So, you know, anyway, man, just wanted to get that off my chest, man, and, and just kind of share with you guys, you know, why I think the media has really taken over our households and our minds, and, and just for the simple fact that we're nosy individuals. Anyway, welcome to the KRP Radio Show for all my new listeners out there, all my newcomers, 619-638-8559, WM3G, home of the KRP Radio Show, and soon to be home of some other wonderful talk radio shows out there, man. We got some things going on. Hopefully, we'll be on XM really, really, really soon by sometime maybe the end of the year or early next year, you know, trying to make some major moves. And, uh, you know, we're not going to rule FM radio out. I don't want FM radio, but we're not going to rule it out. You know, we'll kind of see what happens. Definitely trying to grow the show. I think there's a lot of people out there who needs to listen to some of the guests that I have on and, and maybe uh, let's talk about and communicate some of the things that I share here on this show because, you know, for the large part, it's unpopular. A lot of the things that we're talking about aren't popular. People don't care about politics. People don't care about policy. They don't care about the things that really matter in life. But somehow all these housewives and these reality TV shows are taking the large forefront storm in America. So anyway, you're rocking with your boy Pudgy at NC Pudgy on Twitter, at KIRP Radio Show on Twitter. You can also check us out on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. And you can check us out on iTunes, folks. For all my iTunes phones and iTunes this and iPhone that, check us out on iTunes and iPhones and at the iPodcast at KIRP Radio and Show. You got to put it in the search menu. It will pop up. There's a link to it. I don't know what it is, man. Check us out later. You can also check us out on the website. That's KIRP Radio Show.com. That's where you can hear the delayed broadcast. Sometimes you can hear the live broadcast, but majority of the time you have to listen to a 20-minute delay right after the end of the show. We'll be right back with none other than Charlotte Holder from StretchingYourBudget.com at Triad Super Saver after these commercial moments. Hey, Cam, thanks a lot for coming to my school today. No problem, Nate. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? And I'll grow up to be big and strong like you. Absolutely. And play in the NFL. Yes, sir. And be dressed number one. Maybe. And become a starting quarterback of the Panthers. <laughs> okay. You can be my backup. Excuse me? And make Panthers fans forget about you. What? And become your mom's favorite player. Whoa. ideology, community, and self. We believe that a garment or accessory created by an independent designer can do more for our community on a deeper level. The ability to wear someone's imagination is a beautiful event. Purchasing independent means wearing something unique while supporting those around you. The designers you support could very well be your neighbors, friends, and family. Embrace your indie state of mind. Shop indie www.dechcheri.com. Thanks, Cherie.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, folks, to the KIRP radio show, 619-638-8559. We're talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. We're also talking about some policy that's happening in North Carolina, talking about energy, and we've invited none other than the great Algernon Cash to come on the show and rock with us this evening and talk about some of these things, and he's going to come on here in just a few minutes. But first, we got to welcome to the show none other than the stretching is of her budgetist, the queen, Charlotte Holder. How you doing? Wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing excellent. You know, that's my new motto, doing excellent because I'm alive. There you go. That's good. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's better than saying you're miserable, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Charlotte, let me ask you this. I know we got a little bit of a delayed broadcast between you and I since we're in the same state, and I don't know what's going on with that. But Well, I do know what's going on with that, but we'll keep that between us. Anyway, um, what do you got for us this week? I know you got something wonderful or maybe some good tips that will help us out. Well, I um, was thinking, and this is crazy, but um, just my husband and I were talking, my kids were talking about toys and stuff, so they were hanging out with their cousins. And it's, like, already less than six months away from Christmas, just a little over five months. So I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, about ways to start getting prepared for that. (laughs) But, I mean, Ah. you know, it's it creeps up on you. And so, like, if you get paid biweekly, you're talking you've got ten more paychecks from now until Christmas to be able to, to buy your stuff, so... Um, at least that's how it is for us. You know, I get paid biweekly, so you, you got ten more paychecks to try and save your money to be able to buy everything for Christmas. And I don't know if, if you're like me, that's not very much because most of your paycheck goes to <laughs> you know daily stuff. So, um, and, you know, I was just trying to think of ways to like try to save. So we've already been thinking about you know the big Santa gift or whatever, and so. Um, I'm going to do some research this week and, and find out how much those items are and just start taking, uh, like, dividing that amount by my 10 paychecks and start taking out, you know, that little bit now and saving it back for those items. So um, it's never too early, and I'm always, always preaching this. It's never too early to start shopping now for, for things ahead. Um, another thing to look out for is it's, already time or you know most of the um things are going on sale for the end of the summer so i've seen a lot of the big stores having items marked down so it's a really good time to start getting um you know a bunch of the the end of season kind of stuff that's on sale and saving it we did that last year uh i won't say the name but a store that does like a two time a year big sale for toys and they start on at thirty percent off and then they go fifty percent and then they do a big seventy five percent off. And so we bought at seventy five percent off um like a ton of different toys and I've had them for birthday gifts, I've had them for friends' birthday gifts, and then I even had them for Christmas last year and I still have a few things left. So um, you know, if you have the extra money now, oh, it's a great time to start buying for 
for ahead for Christmas and birthdays. You know, kids are kids. They like toys. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what is that that toy's out of style or it's not in, you know, most kids don't care unless you spoiled her. So, um, you know, I just, I always buy head. It's, there's never anything wrong because toys don't go bad, you know. The worst thing is yeah. the battery has to be replaced or something. So, but yeah, so just start thinking now ahead on ways that you can save money. And because, um, like I say, I mean, oh my gosh, ten paychecks is going to be here and gone. Um, I know. So <laughs> it's like I was like, because we're talking, and my daughter's like, I want Legos or you know something like this, and I'm like, okay, well, for Christmas. And then I start thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like five months and two weeks away. So or not, not even a little less than two weeks. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was just. You know, you know, sometimes I like to talk about whatever I'm thinking about in life right then, so that's what I do. But um, so yeah, never uh, just start saving now. Think of ways that you can save. Get your, um, you know, penny jars or whatever, turn them into cash. Start spending, um, you know, a little bit here and there for for gifts, so you never have to pay for it all at once. Because I hate at Christmas time trying to come up with a lot of extra money. So, and that's a good way to not have to put it on credit, too, because, you know, I don't like having to charge and pay interest later for things that you're trying to use right now. So, um, just get creative and help your kids start getting involved if you have small kids or grandkids on ways that you can start saving a little bit of extra money. Um, You know, and especially in the summer, you know, during the school year, we tend to spend more money on, like, school lunches and all that kind of stuff. So, if you can, in the summer, save a little bit extra, right. you know, for not having to spend as much. So that's just my few little tips and your warning so that you're not behind in buying Christmas presents. <laughs> I, you know, I'm always behind. You know that. Like, I don't, <laughs> that never changes. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to ever change. I think last year we might have got a, got a little jump on it, but I'm always behind, and I never yeah. know what to get. And it's like when you have a bunch of kids, I mean, <laughs> you get caught oh, up in the, uh, yeah. It you know, up at the last minute, and you're like, uh. <laughs> right, and that's me. So, you know, these are good tips for me. And uh, this is stuff that I definitely Yeah, it's definitely a good time. And like I say, was it, you know, was they making room for back-to-school stuff? So they're trying to clear out all their summer items, and that's not necessarily summer toys. I mean, the store that I'm thinking about, and I've seen several others, um, big box stores, they're clearing out a lot of their toys just because it's past season or whatever to make room for back to school and then Christmas stuff as well. So I've really been seeing a lot of sales on toys in particular. So it's definitely a good time to jump on it if you're out, just check check the clearance aisles and, and that kind of thing to see if there's any things you can pick up and stick it in a we have a closet we stick our stuff in. <laughs> Hide it from the kids. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell the secrets why don't you? I know. They don't listen so it's okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm gonna have to Uncle Pudgy's gonna have to uh take them in the closet one day and say, Look guys no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, so one time my son walked down the hall and he started to open it because it's not a closet we use for anything, so I don't even think they recognize that it's there. And I'm like, nope, and I yeah. slammed it back really quick, and he just kind of went on. <laughs> but 
sure when they're older it won't work anymore. But well, l- let me ask you this too, Charlotte. In in you know, since you are talking about the holidays, you know we got Thanksgiving coming before that, and you know you got Christmas right behind it. You know, what's the best way to prepare in saving for both? Because I, I remember you having some good um, savings tips for people, and I was just wondering, you know. We're right here in August, you know, right around the corner, and uh, we mm-hmm. only got a few months to prepare. And like you said, only 10 paychecks, and it seems like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of people uh, overextend themselves. So do you have any yeah. tips for folks in in the sense of, you know, just saving a couple of dollars at a time and, and how to uh, designate what's more important than the other? Um, I mean, we've talked, yeah, on past shows on ways to save around the house. You can check. On our website, um, you can just in the little search bar on the right side of our website, um, you can search for ways to save around the house. Um, and they're just quick, easy things that you just don't really think about, like changing your filters more frequently, um, cut down your en- energy bill, changing your light bulbs to high-energy bulbs, turning the thermostat up when you leave for the day so it's not cooling your house all day while you're not there, um, turning the blinds up before you leave instead of leaving them open to keep the house hot. So those are just like a few tips to save around your house, and those things do add up. But um, I would just say research, research, research if you're talking about spending for gifts and that kind of thing or if you need party decorations or whatever it might be because I know when I run out just to go buy something, I end up spending double what I wanted to and I don't have any coupons or anything. But if I take a few minutes before I go, look on the computer for any kind of printable coupons for anywhere I think I might be going, um, just every little bit helps. I mean, I was about to go to the grocery store the other day, and I was in a hurry. I didn't have any of my coupons with me. I just needed to get a few things to make a meal for my sister-in-law. And um, so I remembered that I had then sent a mailer, like a coupons in the mail for that store specifically. So I ran back inside and grabbed those, and that ended up saving me like $12 on my purchase. So even though I hadn't, you know, clipped my coupons per items, I had dollar off amount for the whole purchase at the store. And just by thinking of that real quick and running in and grabbing it, it saved me just $12 right there. So just little things like that, just thinking ahead, planning ahead, if you know that you need certain amount of things for the holidays, food and that kind of thing, start looking now and finding those best deals and go ahead and buy them. I would rather spend 10 or $15 every time extra at the grocery store or whatever on those items than having to buy it all at once. So I'm a big proponent of spreading it out and trying to disperse things and just come up with a little bit extra each time. And that kind of goes along with what I was talking about with food the Christmas gift. So whether it be you taking out a certain amount of your paycheck to put an envelope for a certain function or thing that you need or go ahead and buying a few things here and there, um, you're just spreading it out and not having to feel that burden of one lump sum whenever that event comes. So just research and just finding a few little tips and things that you can do in your own home to save extra money really does add up. I mean, you would, wouldn't think that it would, but combining little things over time um, can end up saving. So, Well, I'm always down for saving. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's good because I'm, I'm definitely always down for saving. I think a lot of people, you know, can appreciate just, you know, savings in general. I, it, it's a lot of different ways to save, man, but I, I always tell people, you know, try to find a way to save where you don't, you don't have your money easily accessible to you, you know, or you can't get mm-hmm. to it so easy because, you know, some people it works to have it before them, it, it works to have it in their pocket or whatever. You know, it works for me not to have easy access to it. So, you know, if anything exactly. helps, keep some money with me. Yeah, and that's something well, that, you know, I teach. Yeah, teach people to do their grocery shopping and couponing and stuff. I always say set yourself a limit and only take that amount of cash. That way you can't go over. So definitely agree with that. That's pretty good. I like it. Charlotte, it's that time of the evening. And I know you don't like it. I mean, I know you love to be here the whole entire couple of hours, if not three. But it's time to depart ways. But before you do, I have to ask you to please give your shout-out, if you don't mind. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, dun, dun. Happy birthday to my father-in-law. We just got home from hey. dinner with him. So shout-out and happy birthday, 58. Yes, I told wow. the age on there. Ooh. 58 years young. Shout out to your father-in-law. Shout out to you for having <laughs> dinner with your father-in-law. Most people don't like their in-laws. You seem to love your in-laws, or they love you. Well, I mean, everybody loves you, but you seem to love them. I so have that's a good thing. <laughs> well, they only live a mile down the road from us, so. <laughs> you got to like them whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to your uh, your neighbors slash in-laws and uh, your family and, and everybody else, man. I appreciate all the expertise you gave us. And, uh, hey, Charlotte, real quick, let people know where they can check out your blog. Uh, they can check out your specials and all the other outlets where you post information at, please. Yes, you can find us um, online at stretchingyourbudget.com, Twitter at symbol stretchyourbudget, that's S-T-R-E-T. C-H-U-R-B-U-D-G-E-T. Um, or you can find us on Facebook um, at Triad Super Saver, or if you just want to do Facebook.com forward slash Stretching Your Budget. And we're on Instagram, Stretching Your Budget, at Symbol Stretching Your Budget. And Pinterest, Stretch Your Budget is our hashtag. So any kind of social media, you can find us pretty much. Google it if you can't. And... Tons of money-saving tips. So. I love it, man. I don't know if anybody else love it, but I love it. Well, a lot of people love it, man. We got a lot of followers. <laughs> Thanks, Charlotte, for coming through and sharing some love with us. Thank you. Have a good week. All right. Have a good night. Charlotte Holder from StretchingYourBudget.com. You guys, make sure you log on to the website. Check her out on all those links that she just shared. It said it's too many for me to repeat, but I hope you guys heard them all. And if you didn't get them, uh, listen to the replay on KRPRadioShow.com uh, right after the show, and you guys will be able to hear what she said once again. Make sure you take some notes, folks. Pass that information along. Tweet it. Facebook it. Do whatever you got to do. We're going to get that information out there, man, because she definitely has some valuable information out there. That segment of, <laughs> that segment, that segment of StretchingYourBudget.com was brought to you by the Durham Bulls, baby. The Durham Bulls, and they are famous for fun. You guys make sure you log on to the website, thedurhambulls.com. Get some information out there, man, on how to go to a baseball game and check them out. 
We got a game coming up, if I'm not mistaken here, on uh, Monday. I think the Bulls play Monday at 7.05. They actually play Buffalo, and it's a home game. Um, no, no, it's not a home game. I'm sorry, folks. The next home game is the 29th at uh, 7.05 p.m., and uh, it's going to be a very live game, man. They play the Columbus Clippers, uh, Cleveland, Columbus Clippers. So you guys make sure you get to the Durham Bulls Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, very live. It's going to be a fireworks show after the game, folks. And that was brought to you by Stretching Your Budget and the Durham Bulls. We'll be right back after these messages. If you want to listen to the show, dial the number 619-638-8559. Hit us up on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. We are all over and we are global, baby. Check us out. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't forget, special guest tonight, none other than... Algernon Cash. Talking about jobs, folks. A little bit of confunction love, and I'll be back with you in a little bit. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone. Inspire you to take action. Be risky and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industry. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, Celebrity Chef Nikki Shaw, Teen and Family Producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music tournament. 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today 
will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800-442-2762. Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. It's the same way he did when he was in high school. After school, he practiced, then he went to the gym. This is what he wants. This is the life he chose. And if you want it, you have to work hard to keep it and keep on going with it. So I believe he will come back. And when he do, I'm going to be at the Bull Center cheering for my baby. (laughs) You don't call yourself a superstar. That's for other people to say. And you don't come out the south side without a few people having your back. Chicago is my home, my love. It's our time. This is a story about my family, my team, my roots. This is a story of D. Rose. It's only the beginning. I'm all in. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide or death by government has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century, government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism, nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government, 2 million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize 
Government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to that long commercial roll with the KIRP radio show, none other than the number one black conservative show southeast in the United States, and we do it B-I-G. Well, welcome everybody who's been just, who, uh, <laughs> who's who's new to listening to the show. Uh, we do things a little bit different, folks, man, but I, I welcome you guys and I appreciate you guys for rocking with us. Uh, in just about 15 minutes, we're going to bring on our special guest, none other than Algernon Cash who is the managing director for a company called Warden Gladden. He's also, also, I call him the Slash Man. I mean, he's got so many different jobs, but he's also the uh, ambassador for Energy for NC. So, uh, you know, he's going to come on and he's going to tell us a little bit about these jobs bill uh, that we're waiting to pass the House and uh, a few more other things that are going on here in North Carolina considering jobs and actually the country. You know, uh, he's not only a North Carolina guy, he's not only a financial guy, but he's also a future guy. He's also a peaceful guy. And uh, he's the architect of a movement called Locked In. Uh, On Twitter, it's hashtag Locked, L-O-C-K-E-D-N-I-N. And uh, what Locked In is, well, you know what? I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let Algernon come on, and I'm going to let him explain to us what exactly Locked In is. Uh, I'm actually waiting on a book from that, but, you know, I don't know if he's going to do a book. You know, that's who our special guest will be for tonight. Uh, We're talking about jobs, folks. Talking about unemployment. Uh, You know, Pat McCrory, North Carolina governor. I'm wondering, you know, what folks think about, well, I know what people in generally, uh, how they in general feel about, you know, Pat McCrory in general. You know, I I, I hear the noise. I hear the comments. You know, I I hear the anguish. You know, I hear the praises. And, uh, you know, Pat was mayor of uh, Charlotte for, I believe, 15 or 17 years. So he's not a stranger to North Carolina in terms of politics. And, uh, you know, first off, I got to say this, Um, just being all out honest. Charlotte has been the city on the rise in the last 15 years. There's no way it's easy in managing a city with the, the the size of Charlotte uh with two professional teams there in that city. Thanks for the coffee. Oh, I got some help over here, man. I feel good tonight. Got my special cup of coffee. Anyway, look, it's not easy to manage a city of that size with a population of such. And uh if you look at what people in Charlotte have been making per capita, 
you know, average family household. I think they're somewhere around $63,000 right now. If you go back 10 to 15 to 20 years, you know, that number wasn't, wasn't that high. Um, so even through the crises of, of, you know, the housing market, even through the, uh, not the crises, but the housing market crash, let's just call it what it is, you know, even through uh, the recessions that <laughs> this country has experienced, you know, Charlotte has maintained a steady growth, and a lot of different things have happened for the positive of Charlotte. And uh, let's just keep it real. It's at the hands of Pat McCroy, um, you know, and, and some other legislators and some other hardworking people out there. And let's not forget the people of Charlotte. So, you know, I can't say that our current governor is clueless. Uh, he, he's taken some some very strong positions, and he's done some very bold things, made some very bold moves, uh, starting with unemployment, which, uh, you know, if you want to talk about unemployment, man, that was definitely a sore thumb amongst the citizens of North Carolina. And uh, if you guys don't understand what happened, Pat McCrory actually capped unemployment, uh, cut unemployment off in North Carolina, and for a lot of people who have been on unemployment for three to five years, they're no longer getting unemployment. They're not, they no longer qualify for unemployment in North Carolina. But let's just call it what it is, folks. And and, and, and here's the thing. With all the criticize, all the people that criticize Pat McCoy for doing that, you got to know the backstory behind it. Now, let me just put this out here. Like, I'm, I'm not on here to be Pat McCoy's defender. You know, not at all. I'm not on here to be... You know, Pat McCrory's bodyguard, I'm not on here to defend, you know, the, the NCGOP. I'm not on here to defend the NC Democratic Party. I'm not on here to defend anybody. I'm just putting the facts on the line and talking about what's really going on in North Carolina. So in order to talk about unemployment and criticize Pat McCrory for what he actually did, we got to go back a little bit and understand where we are in North Carolina in terms of debt. Uh, let's just keep it 100. $2.8 billion borrowed from the federal government to pay benefits that, truthfully, we can't even afford. I mean, if you agree with continuing to pay unemployment, which I, I didn't like the sudden chopping, the sudden cutoff of unemployment, but I wasn't on unemployment, so I wasn't, uh, I didn't understand that letters may have went out or there was some co some sort of communication prior to people being cut off on unemployment. So I know about that. And I'm still a little bit vague on the whole situation and, excuse me, on everything that was going on. But I didn't like the sudden stop. I didn't like the timeline. I thought the timeline could have been a little bit longer. I definitely understand the debt that we're in. $2.8 million is not a drop in the bucket, especially when you're borrowing it from the federal government. So, you know, when, when you start talking about and criticizing Pat for, you know, uh, cutting the unemployment benefits, you got to know the backdrop. You got to understand the debt that we were in and the debt that we would have incurred from being on unemployment or, or for continuing this program for a lot of different people who have been on the program for an extended amount of time. Uh, but what I understand, it was an uncomfortable decision. You know, I, you got to applaud that kind of leadership. You know, Tillis and Berger, you know, these, these folks all got together and they did what was definitely not popular. There's a lot of people that don't appreciate it. You know, we don't like it. You know, you got to keep in mind, you're talking 300, you know, from $530 to $350 a week. You know, when, when people are getting that kind of cut, the people aren't going to be happy about that. The people that are on unemployment or the people that are, are possibly looking at 
soon to be on unemployment. So, I mean, you know, you got to understand the backdrop of what's going on. You got to understand how people feel, you know, personally going through the situation. And, and frankly, there aren't a lot of jobs out here for regular folk. And, and when I say regular folk, I'm talking about people who don't have degrees, you know, people who don't have certain professional diplomas, you know, people of that regular working class caliber. So I understand why people are so emotional about the sentiment that, of, of even trying to defend Pat McCrory on this cutting unemployment. But, I, you know, from a financial aspect, from me being who I am and know I'm not on unemployment, so I know that I don't feel it the same way a lot of people feel it. But from from a financial aspect, folks, I only ask this one question. For people who don't agree, I, I really only ask this one question, and, and I would love for a lot of people to, uh, you know, hit me back, krpradio at gmail.com. You know, you guys know the Facebook page, you know the Twitter page, you know all the handles, but I'm curious to know what your number is. You know, how long could we keep getting in the federal government's debt? You know, what's your number? If 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 three billion dollars is not your number, what's your number? You know, when do we stop borrowing from the federal government? At one point do we say, Okay, enough's enough, we need to make a tough decision and do what needs to be done. Everybody knows, everybody out here understands that we're broke. Everybody understands that we're in debt. I think everybody understands that something needs to be done or something something had needed to be done a long time ago, but Bever Do damn sure wasn't going to do it. So something had to be done. We all understood that something was going to be done eventually, and this just ends up to be what happened. So you know, I take my hat off to Pat McCrory uh, for what he did, and and I know it was a gutsy decision. And Berger and Tillis, you know, I, I know it was a it was a joint decision. I know it was a gutsy decision, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people out here that are, that are regular citizens who don't understand why this decision was made. So, in saying all that, I just want to get this out to uh, Pat McCrory and the NCGOP. Uh, you know, all the people out there in the governor's office who make those financial decisions, you know, uh, anybody out here who are on Pat's uh, uh, media staff or, you know, the uh, the regional offices and the regional managers, you know, I offer this to you guys. You need better messaging. You need more direct messaging. You need more outreach. You need people out there on the ground who are having forums to talk about these issues. Because I agree with what Pat McCrory did. I understand that it was a gutsy move. I understand that it was a horrible, horrible uh, 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 thing for people to have to go through. I get that. I understand that. But what about the upside of the things that Pat, Pat's doing? I mean, if you don't get his newsletter, people don't understand what Pat McCrory is doing for North Carolina. People don't understand that Pat McCrory is making history for North Carolina. And again, i got to put it out here to people. I'm not Pat McCroy's bodyguard. I'm not out here. I'm not on Pat McCroy's payroll. I'm not out here to be a beacon of light for Pat McCroy. You know, I'm not out here to be a beacon of light for the governor's office. I'm not. If anything, I'm more hypercritical because I understand the things that are going on here in North Carolina. But I got to tell the truth, and the truth is simply this. Pat McCroy is rocking, ladies and gentlemen. You might not like it, but Pat McCroy is definitely getting busy down here in North Carolina. There have been a lot of businesses, hundreds of jobs have been created, 
thousands of jobs potentially created, and I'm not talking about with a bunch of different pork. I'm talking about people who have came and said, we want to break ground in North Carolina. How do we do it? They've answered the call, and the job has been done. These people are setting up shop in North Carolina, and a lot of jobs are being created behind the simple fact of we have an inviting governor who's saying, you know what, we'll knock a little bit of you guys' taxes off for you guys to come build here in North Carolina. And a lot of people don't like that. People don't appreciate that. Oh, you shouldn't give these big corporations discounts. You shouldn't give these big corporations tax cuts. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? When we are three billion dollars in the federal government's debt and if you don't make a gutsy call like cutting unemployment if you don't make an in, in, inviting uh an inviting environment for some of these corporations to come here and set up shop and some of these other corporations to remain here guess what will happen folks we will be detroit detroit is right now filing for bankruptcy because you know what they've been ran by the terrorist arm of the government democratic uh, 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 the democratic party you know, the, the Democrats and the unions run Detroit. They've always ran Detroit, and they continue to run Detroit, and they ran Detroit straight aground. That's not happening in, in North Carolina, ladies and gentlemen. We have a responsible leadership right now, and I take my hats off to them for making a government call like that. I mean, you know, just last week, if I'm not mistaken, 1,300 jobs is going to remain in North Carolina, and like 250 additional jobs are going to be created uh, dealing with GE Aviation. I mean, that's big. I think that announcement went out on the 8th or the 9th, Monday or Tuesday of, of, of July. I mean, shout out to you guys. We're talking about $195 million over the next five years of capital that they're going to bring to North Carolina. You know, people are talking about this, and, and the reason they're not talking about it is because the governor's office does a piss-poor job of putting this information out there. Sure, they issue newsletters. Sure, they send out emails. Sure, they do a few press conferences here and there, but at the end of the day, the regular citizens who aren't paying attention don't get this information. So you guys got to do a better job of putting this information out here. Yes, unemployment was cut, but you're talking about over $5 billion potentially coming to North Carolina between the next three to five to seven years directly through the hands of Pat McCrory. I will take my hat off my head right now, my Adidas hat. Shout out to my sponsorship with Adidas. But I'll take my hat off right now and say shout out to Pat McCrory for making North Carolina a place that can grow, a place just like he did in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a bunch of people came in, a bunch of new companies came in, a bunch of new jobs was created, and now people are living a little bit better. So for the people out here that are complaining about the unemployment cuts, the people out here that are complaining that Pat McCoy doesn't love the common man, doesn't love the common worker, for the NAACP who goes up there and marches every so-called, I call it anti-moral Monday, they call it moral Mondays, you call it what you made, some people call it a clown show. But for all you people that are up there marching and talking about what the government, government governor isn't doing, how about schedule an appointment and take some time and meet the people that are on the government staff, the governor's staff, excuse me, and let's talk about these issues and find out why some of these decisions are being made before you go on a tangent and start criticizing and evaluating. You don't even have any backup information. You know, I got to call it like I see it. You know, Pat McCoy's doing a hell of a job, and we're only talking about six, we're only six months, six and a half months in, folks. You know, we're only six and a half, seven, seven, and excuse me, seven and a half months in. You know, and already, what is it? I forget the job number right now, but 
Can we? Can you get that number for me? All right, cool. But you know, I have the number here in a second. But you know, already thousands of jobs have been created. Millions and billions of dollars have been drove, driven to North Carolina through the hands of Pat McCrory. And, and you know, that hadn't been done ever before in North Carolina at the hands of any North Carolina governor. That has not been done at the pace that Pat McCrory is doing it. So if you got to grade this man right now from A through D or E, F or G or whatever you want to grade him at, I got to give the man an A. And the only reason I can't give the man an A plus is because because someone's doing a piss poor job of getting the information out there. I don't know if it's the comp department. I don't know who it is. But I will say this to the governor's staff. You guys, will you please do a better job of getting the information out there to regular people in North Carolina, the regular people who don't look up policy, who don't look up politics, that don't even like politics, but just have to deal with politics because it's just what we have to deal with, they don't understand what's going on. And the reason they don't understand is because in politics, people don't know how to relate to the common man. And because they don't know how to relate to the common man, they usually get surrogates to go out and spread that love, spread their message, talk about their message, put that information out there. And that's what has to be done at a much better pace. That's what has to be done in a much larger capacity. And that's what Pat McCrory and his staff up there at the governor's office in Raleigh has to do in order to get the regular citizens out there that's on the ground, that's fighting mad. That's what we have to do. That's what you guys have to do to get that information out there to people. You can't depend on us talk radio show radio show people because we'll flip on you. You know, we'll we'll turn the pages on you. I'm an independent conservative, so ain't no telling what I might say. If I read an article that I don't like or I read into a policy that I don't like, I'm going to go in, just like I'm going in right now. And one thing I don't appreciate is the people up there marching and protesting and praying, talking about how much the governor hates North Carolinians when I'm sitting here looking at realistic numbers and realistic totals and realistic jobs that are coming to North Carolina. You know, I don't understand these folks' approach. They're protesting about abortion. They're protesting about, you know, anything under the sun, and they blame it all on Pat McCoy and the governor's staff, I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. If it was anything else in life, people would take the time to research it and understand what's happening. But because it's politics, and because the person that's screaming the loudest is the NAACP on their Moral Monday or whatever they call their, or, or what I call their anti-Moral Monday, you know, because these folks are screaming the loudest. You folks aren't paying attention to announcements. You know, like I just said with GE Aviation, you know, 242 new jobs, $195 million over the next five years. You know, these are the things that are actually happening. 1,300 more jobs remaining in North Carolina, 240 50 new uh, additional jobs is going to be created. Folks, these are the things that are really happening. You know, this is not myth. This is not made up. These are the things that I see come out of the McCrory administration every week or every month on top of the month, and it just keeps getting better. So let me tell you guys, hold on to your seat, because if you ain't careful, everybody in North Carolina is going to be living at that fifty dollars to $60,000 average household income, just like what the man did down down there in Charlotte. I'll be right back after these messages. I'm going to bring on a special guest, none other than my man, Algernon Cash. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this jobs bill, man. I'll be right back after these messages. K-I-R-P Radio!
Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the life ever. Sanctuary is an online indie department store born with the ideology, community, and self. We believe that a garment or accessory created by an independent designer can do more for our community on a deeper level. The ability to wear someone's imagination is a beautiful event. Purchasing independent means wearing something unique while supporting those around you. The designers you support could very well be your neighbors, friends, and family. Embrace your indie state of mind. Shop indie. www.dechery.com. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show with your host Pudgy at NC Pudgy on Twitter at KIRP Radio Show was the call. You guys check us out. We're also on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. Also catch us on the KIRP Radio Show.com website. Uh, we definitely support our support our troops, guys. So you know, check that out, man. I'm still a little bit worked up, man. I can't I can't bring myself down. I can't get calm. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Wait, let's bring on my man Algernon Cash here on the show, man, and see if this brother can't help me calm down. And you know, maybe he's gonna fire me up a little bit more. Welcome to the show, the author of the Lock In Movement, none other than the great Algernon Cash. How are you, brother? What's going on, Pudgy? You worked up every Sunday night, man. Yeah, I am, man. But I'm, I'm, I'm really worked up this this Sunday. Welcome to the show, Al. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. It's always a pleasure to be here with you on Sunday night, join you and your um, your listeners. So I appreciate you having me back here. I'm definitely glad that you could have made it. Uh, glad that you made it, excuse me. I, I know you got a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to have you on the show because you, you're, you're enlightening. And you're one of the few people that we can look to to put the financial truth out, so I call it. You know <laughs> You know, there's, there's a lot of different. Uh, I mean, you know how people are are you know so at at odds ends about what's going on in in this state, this great state of North Carolina, and uh, you know the proper information isn't always put out there. So you know, I can look forward to you to you know all the all the uh, social media outlets that you have, and you know all the guest appearances that you do, and and you're a trailblazer too, by the way, and thank you for that, but. You know, I can definitely look forward to you to putting the proper information out there. And you've never led me astray. And, and I definitely research, you know, the info that folks put out there. So you've never left me astray. And I really appreciate that alone, you know. Well, you know, I, I think it's more important, to, as, as I always say, it's more important to just put the information out there. I, I really, unlike some of our elected officials from time to time, I really trust people. 
I really believe in people, and I think if you put information out there, if you're transparent about that information, I really believe that people will will go about trying to draw their own right conclusions. So again, I, I think we I think we got to trust people more. You know, I like the well, I like the comment that you just made, Pudgy. I do think we live in the greatest state and the greatest country on earth. I'll say that one more time. We live in the greatest state and the greatest country on earth. And and I don't think necessarily that it's our elected officials, as much as I do like our current governor, Governor McCrory, but I don't think it's our elected officials that make this state great. It, it's each and every it's it's every individual that's living in this state. It's the nine million people who live in North Carolina, like yourself, Pudgy who makes this state so great. So I, I just tell you to keep doing what you're doing. I'm too far in, man. I'm, I'm too far locked in to stop. You know, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm part of the locked-in movement, and um, I'm a proud representative of the locked-in movement to to ever quit this, you know, uh, uh, alarming of the information or, you know, the alarming of the citizens is, is what I like to call it sometimes. And, you know, frankly, I just talk a lot. So if I'm going to talk a lot, I figure I might do something positive. So... You know, we try to put this info out here for people to really uh, get the gist of and really to, you know, can relate to and understand. Well, no, I'm right there with you. And, um, and, and you know, thankfully you've got folks who um, make the decision to listen to you every Sunday because that's, that's equally as important. You know, I, I think you may recall I, I did radio myself for about three years and I always used to like to say I've, I've got a lot to say and a lot to talk about, but it certainly wouldn't make any difference if no one was listening. Amen to that, and that, that's what makes us to the folks out there that are listening and inviting and, you know, having conversations after the fact, and, and that's what's important uh, about doing radio, I think, is that, you know, people can have conversations about those topics after the fact, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's inspiring. You know, it, it does a lot of good, so listen, let, let me get down to business here, brother. I'm going to start with this right here. A lot of people want to know, growing, I, I've, I've seen other people tweeted, I've seen people taking pictures with signs and going crazy. It's catching like wildfire. I'm waiting for a book from you, but I don't know if that's going to ever happen, but uh, <laughs> locked in. What's the locked in movement about, brother? People want to know. Yeah, you know, I I, you know, I, I do obviously get a lot of um, questions about what it means to be locked in, but, it, you know, it's actually much more simple than people would, would, would like to believe. You know, I, I like to say it really comes down to whether or not you've taken the time to really figure out who you are as a person and whether or not you've taken the time to really lock in the right character. I mean, lock in the right character traits, as I like to say. So I always tell people it's important that you lock in your vision because your vision, um, obviously, it's it's what should be motivating and stretching you every single day. you got to take the time to lock in your values. Um, you know, whatever you place at the center of your life, Pudgy, whatever you make the most important to you is going to um, really influence the decisions that you make throughout life. So you've got to make sure you lock in the right kind of values. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we value the wrong thing, Pudgy. We, we, we value money, we value other people, or we value material items. And I really think what, we, what you've got to be able to value are really what I call natural kind of principles. So you've got to value honesty. You've got to value integrity. You got to value excellence. You got to value justice and sacrifice and courage and love and all these things, Pudgy, that I really believe are unchangeable. Um, these are universal principles that never go anywhere, and you got to lock those things in. And then, most importantly, you got to lock in your purpose. So you got to really understand what is it that you're here to do. What contribution are you here? 
to, to, to make to the world. I mean, because you're not here just for yourself. You're here for all of us. And so you've really got to make sure you take that time to discover your purpose, identify what your natural talents are, and then you got to lock that in in the center of your life. And so that, that's what it means to be locked in. It's just really understanding what your character is about, really being very clear about your vision and where that vision is taking you, knowing your values, knowing your purpose, and then just ignoring all distractions, Pudgy, because there's a lot of distractions out there. We, we, and, and sometimes yeah. those distractions are even masked as friends. And so sometimes if you, you just got to be able to, to ignore all that from time to time. So that's what it means to be locked in. Beautiful, man. I, I, there's a lot of people out there that I think are locked in, and, and folks really need to join that movement. And, folks, it, you know, one way to support the locked in movement and to let Algernon know that you guys understand uh, what he's basically saying and that, that you agree with, you know, being locked in is the thing to be, is the way to be. Uh, just do hashtag locked in. I mean, it's, it's really simple. Uh, you know, that's my way of paying tribute to you, Algernon. You know, sometimes I'm up late. I might be up at 3 or 4 a.m. I could be working. You know, I just put, do a little tweet or I do a little Facebook message, you know, locked in, and, you know, hoping that you'll see it or, or sometimes I'll put it on your page. Just, you know, just kind of let you know, man, paying tribute to, you know, what you do. And, you know, there are people out here working just like you, and, and we understand. So, you know, I appreciate the movement locked in. I think this is a wonderful thing. And you know, and and for people that the, for the folks out there that say they don't they don't like the locked in movement, I, I tell them start your own movement. Um, you, you you don't have to necessarily adopt my philosophy, but but my whole point is you got to have a philosophy. You got to have your own personal philosophy because if you don't have a philosophy, then you you can't be successful. You can't produce successful outcomes. So so again, if if you're one of those people that say, hey, I don't want to follow Algernon, you ain't got to follow Algernon. Then become a leader of your own, establish your own movement, establish your own philosophy, Uh-oh. and 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 just just lock in on whatever your thing is. <laughs> see, see that this, this see see you just you just sparked up a little bit of fire. You just blew a little bit of H two O on on a little oxygen on the fire. O two, excuse me. That sounds like Hater Friday to me. I mean, I I got my own philosophy. I mean, and I, I don't knock anyone else's. I, I got my own philosophies. I, I definitely put them out there. But if you can't appreciate the simple locked-in philosophy, the simple movement of holding yourself down, holding yourself accountable, let's go hard at what we do, you know, if you can't appreciate that, you might be a hater, man. And, and it's something <laughs> I've seen you post on Friday that I know a lot of people have joined, and, and, and this thing has grown too. It's become quite the movement as well. Hater Friday. Where did where did Hater Friday come from? Love your Hater Friday. You know, man, I'm gonna tell you, you um, you you and I, we got a mutual friend, my buddy Kevin Daniels. I'm sure he's out there listening somewhere. And you know, Kevin and I, man, we 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 just got into a conversation. This was about a year and a half ago, and I think Kevin and I both was getting little messages on Facebook from the haters. Little, you know, haters don't never like to talk too much in public, so they, they send private messages or they send emails. So, I, you know, I was, I, was, I was getting some private messages and some private emails from the haters out there. And, and so we, we just felt like it was important to start letting the haters know that we really do love you, you know, and, and the fact that we understand why you're hating is because you're in pain, because you, you're full of fear. But we, we just want you to know that we love you. And every Friday, if you if you need a little special message to remember how much I love you, all you got to do is come to my Twitter page or you come to my Facebook page, 
and I just let the haters know how much I really care about them every Friday. Now, you know, somebody told me one time before that I really didn't need to let the haters know that I love them, but I, I think that I do. Now, keep in mind, Jesus Christ loved his haters so much that he decided to die for them. So, you, you know, we, we, it, we, it's imperative upon us to let the haters know that we really care about them. Ooh, that's the jewel right there. I needed a sound effect for that. We got a sound effect for that, man. That's what happens when I'm running the board. You can't get the, can't get the sound okay. effect right for that. There we go. All right. There we go. A little bit of Little John on that. Well, listen, man, we got locked in out of the way. We let everybody know what Hater Friday is about. Uh, or love your haters Friday. Let me let me correct that. But uh, yeah, that's right. Cause we, we want, it's important that they know we love them. <laughs> that's important. That's an important yeah, yeah, part yeah, of yeah. it. Gotta, that's right. We got to get that out there. You know. So so listen. What what's going on with uh, jobs in North Carolina? I understand that there's a bill uh, that was uh, in the House. I, I believe last Friday, if I'm not mistaken, that that, that we're looking at. Yeah, you're you're referring to SB 76, the Domestic Energy Jobs mm-hmm. Act, or. Yeah, well, well, you know, as you know, Pudgy, and I've been on your show a couple times talking about energy opportunities here in North Carolina, and I I appreciate um, every opportunity you allow me to come on and sort of beat the drum about about what's going on with domestic energy here in our our state. Um, But but one of the things that I've had had the great opportunity to work on this session is I've had a chance to go down to Raleigh a couple of times and actually testify on a bill called SB 76, which is the – Domestic Energy Jobs Act. So really what we're trying to do, um, and you may or may not recall that SB 820 that passed in the previous session, SB 820 essentially allowed for hydraulic fracturing and natural gas exploration to be made legal or to lift the moratorium here in North Carolina. So SB 820 had already made the hydraulic fracturing process legal here in our state. But but we didn't have a date set to where energy companies could really start pulling permits so that we really had a clear idea when we were going to start being able to create these energy jobs um, for, for families in North Carolina that are ready to get back to work. So SB 76 goes back and cleans that legislation up a little bit to actually set a date, a hard date, March 2015. So March 2015 would be the date that energy companies could begin to start pulling permits um, and going to work in terms of exploring and developing energy or domestic energy here in our state. And, and obviously, you know, there's been a lot of debates down in Raleigh this session. Obviously, this session has been much longer than normal. They've had to deal with the budget. They've been trying to reform the tax code. They've had, a, a you know, a plethora of other bills that they've been working with this session. And so SB 76 has not moved as fast as we would like for it to move, but it has cleared the Senate side we believe we're going to get a vote in the House this upcoming week on uh-huh. SB 76, and then obviously it would go to conference committee and then go on to the governor's um, desk, which Governor McCrory has already sent the signal that um, he would sign SB 76. So we believe this is going to be landmark legislation, Pudgy. I mean, this is going to be the legislation that really sets that hard date so energy companies realize that North Carolina is serious about getting into the energy business and I also think this is going to be the legislation that we look back on one day and say, hey, this was the bill that started getting North Carolina families back to work. Wow. 619-638-8559, hit number one if you got a comment. We'll we'll take a couple minutes, maybe get somebody on air here in a second. Hey, Al, let me let me let me ask you this, brother. Um, you know, 
the Dakotas right now, I, I believe it's North Dakota, who is That's uh right. well first of all first of all a lot of people don't like hydraulic fracking, okay? Uh there's a lot of movies out there that are anti fracking. There's a lot of people out there that says, you know what, we don't want this stuff, it contaminates the water, contaminates the land, uh it doesn't do the job that it's supposed to do. But I've done my own research over the past, I believe, two years, maybe three, and um, I haven't found any concrete, uh, proven information, if you will, that supports the theories that hydraulic fracking is bad for the environment or has actually killed people uh, for what it's worth. So, you know, help me dispel the myths out there if you can. And uh, I, ju- I just simply ask this question. How much better is hydraulic fracking now than what it was in, let's say, 1960? You know, th- that's a very good question. I, you know, I'll go back to something that my grandfather used to say all the time. Um, you know, he used to say when, when people can't figure something out, they just start making up stuff. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> So that that that's yeah. that's a good way to sum up what's been what's been going on with some of the myths around hydraulic fracturing. So you you've got some people that really don't know exactly what they're talking about, so they just start making up stuff and they start creating a lot of myths around the the way this process works or certain outcomes that can come from the process. And exactly what you just said is true, Pudgy. There's no scientific evidence that links hydraulic fracturing any kind of contamination of groundwater or et cetera. Now, what we do know is that groundwater does get contaminated. I mean, the bottom line is you've got groundwater, obviously you've got water that's underground, that, and these water tables certainly can be located near these natural gas deposits, and just naturally you can have natural gas that seeps into the water table and cause some kind of contamination and can cause the kind of things that you saw in gas land where you know, somebody can turn their water faucet on and, and go set it on fire. Now, the, the EPA has figured out that that can and does happen naturally. But what the EPA has also come back and said is that there's no scientific evidence linking hydraulic fracturing to that same contamination. So it's not the process of hydraulic fracturing that's causing that contamination to occur. It's just more of a natural kind of occurrence. That's number one. Number two I, I would love for your listeners to know that the process of hydraulic fracturing, it's not something that's new. It's just something that we've more people have started to hear about in the last decade, but it's been around for 60 years. So you, you talk yeah. about 1960. Even pre-1960, Pudgy, they were using hydraulic fracturing to extract energy sources from underground. So th- this is a process that's been around a long time. There's actually been over 1 million wells dug using the process, and there's not never been one mishap with any one of those one million wells. So so there is a lot of myth around what can occur with the process. But the bottom line is I do want to say this. There there is one thing the environmentalists they do have it right. So most environmentalists talk about the actual chemicals that are pumped into the ground to, to cause these shale or these fissures to occur. I mean that that's that's mm-hmm. how you get these shale formations to happen. And so they, they talk about the chemicals that you pump in the ground that cause this to, to actually occur. And when you, when you break down the, the ingredients of those chemicals, 99% of, the, of that chemical is actually just water and sand. Only 1% of it is actually an actual chemical makeup, um, a pro, sort of a proprietary blend that energy companies use in, in these substances. So it, it's not even that 
the chemical substance itself is even as contaminated as a lot of people would like to believe. Now, I, you know, here in North Carolina, one of the things that we've been pushing for, um, we have been pushing for the fact that we want energy companies to be able to sort of give us an idea of what's going into that substance while they still have to be able to maintain they have to be able to maintain some secrecy around the the actual percentages of the ingredients that go in the substance. But we've been pushing here in North Carolina, along with SB 76, that the actual substance itself has to be disclosed. So that that's a way that you mitigate some of the risks that my friends on the left have, or that my friends on the left will bring attention to. Uh, talking to Algernon Cash, folks, at Algernon Cash, A-L-G-E-N-O-N Cash on Twitter. You can also find them on Facebook. Uh, AlginaCast.com is the website. Uh, Algernon, let me let me just I'm gonna I'm put it out here, man, because you know this is what I hear when when I start talking about supporting fracking and I, and I start talking about how how important I think it is uh, as a catalyst for North Carolina or, or the catalyst for this country, if you will. But uh, you wouldn't wish my kids dead, would you, Algernon? You wouldn't wish harm on my family, would you? <laughs> No, not at all. And and in fact, as I as I always like to say, Pudgy, I got a nine year old myself, and I, I I don't want her to die either. So it's so a no, not at all. See, I just want to you you got to put crazy stuff out there because this this is what people say. You know, uh, they care more about the money, or you know, it's all about a money thing. You know, these folks don't understand that. You know, you and I both have families here in North Carolina. I mean, we are tired. That's we right. love this state. We love this place. And I don't think, I know for me, and, and I can speak for both of us, there's not any amount of money that will make us betray what we love in our families and, and even the state itself in, in pushing this fracking if it wasn't positive for the state. That's right. Well, so, you know, Pudgy, you know, that, you know I, no, I, I, think you're, I think you're right. I, I always like to remind people, I, I think they forget this, um, you know, in our country alone there's 9 million people working in the energy sector. So that that's 9 Absolutely. million people right here that live in this country. They don't live on another planet. Yeah. They they live right here with us. They go to school, they, you know, their kids go to school with your kids. They go to church with you, et cetera, et cetera. Right here in North Carolina, the energy sector supports 135,000 jobs. So that's 135,000 people right here in North Carolina out of 9 million that actually work in the energy sector. So you know, it, it, it's. I mean, these people are living on the same planet and a lot of times in the same community that you live in. So, it, no, I, I don't think these people intend any kind of harm on the community any more than anyone else. And I, I do think sure. that sometimes people people sort of lose touch with that or they, 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 they forget about that. And then and lastly, I would also like to mention the work that I do at the North Carolina Energy Forum, I, I don't, they don't pay me to go out and try to promote the idea of, more energy exploration and development. This is something that I do because I actually really care about North Carolina families, and I really want North Carolina families to get back to work. And I know the way to get North Carolina families back to work, I'm going to have to do more than show up in Raleigh, rallying every Monday. I'm going to have to get out here and work, and I'm going to have to do something that shifts this economy so that this economy can start creating jobs for those families. So this ain't about money for Algernon. This ain't about money going into Algernon's pocket or the oil companies or API or somebody's paying me so that I can go out here and wreck your air or, 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 you know, pollute your air or pollute your groundwater. This is about a person that has grew up in this state for 34 years, and I am absolutely frustrated 
that we have the fourth highest unemployment in the country, and the only way we're going to get people back to work is we create a catalyst. And that catalyst is domestic energy, and it's hydraulic fracturing. It's onshore, offshore energy exploration, and I fully believe that. And 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 you know, I, I, let's not forget for the long term. You know, this is something that could keep you know get us back to uh, a, a, a positive, get us back on the positive foot. You know, for the long term, not just for the short term. So, you know, I, I just wanted to throw that in there. Hey, Algernon, North Dakota has a huge problem thanks to hydraulic fracking. What, what's that problem that they have? Well, they've, they've got a huge benefit, too. I mean, you know, right now their unemployment rate is 3% out in North Dakota, so they've got the lowest unemployment rate in the country um, because of that's because of what they're doing I'm, from I'm, Yeah, that, that's the problem that I'm relating to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, well, I'll, I'll also tell you, Pudgy, you know, their latest legislative session, you know, last year, these guys had a billion-dollar budget surplus out in North Dakota. So they, they yeah, they've got, they've got some problems that I wish we had in North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other problems that the Dakotas have or, or that North Dakota has is that they're running out of places for people to live, to work. <laughs> a lot of people – are uh, are flocking to North Carolina, North Dakota to work, and the biggest problem that they have is finding somewhere close to their job. You know, thanks to this, you know, fracking that's going on out there. So, you know, there are some positives. There are some great positives to uh, energy efficiency, and and you know, I hope that we can get the job done here in North Carolina, Algernon. And I know that you're doing everything in your in your power to make this thing happen. And you know, you definitely have our full support, my friend. Well, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, Pudgy, I, I do want to say you, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I am doing as much as I can. I do I do spend a lot of time or have spent a lot of time in Raleigh. Um, you know, the folks who are working with the North Carolina Energy Forum, they're doing as much as they can. Um, the folks I work with at the American Petroleum Institute, they're doing as much as they can. You know, our legislators in Raleigh, they're doing as much as they can. You know, even our governor, um, Pat McCrory, I feel like he's doing as much as he can, but but I, I want to say that you know we can all we can keep trying to do as much as we can, but we need everybody helping out. And and I really you know we 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 live in this that we live in this era, pudgy, where a lot of people sit around and they just believe that somebody else is going to do it for them. You know, Algernon, oh, don't worry about that. Algernon's going to do it. Oh, don't worry about that. Governor McCrory's going to do it. Oh, don't worry about that. Um, President Obama needs to handle that. Well, what are you going to do? What, what, are, what are you going to do? And if, if you care about this state, if you care about this country, we are living in some strange and perilous times right now, and we need everybody to be stepping up. We need everybody to be doing something. We need everybody to be reading something. We need everybody to be writing their legislator. I shouldn't be the only one going to Raleigh. We need everybody coming down to Raleigh. We need everybody visiting their legislator. So you're right, Pudgy. I, Pudgy, I think you're going to keep working. You're going to be keep doing this show every Sunday. You're going to keep bringing good information to your listeners. I'm going to keep doing what I do. The folks in Raleigh are going to keep doing what they do. But I challenge, I challenge your listeners. I challenge your listeners' friends. I challenge their friends' friends to do something, to do something. Wow. Well, there's a challenge issued by my man, Algernon Cash. Appreciate you coming on the show here, my brother. But before you go, you know we do shout-outs. So I'm going to ask that you would, if you would, 
give us a shout out and uh we'll let you go then my brother. I appreciate you stopping through. Well, you know, I'm I'm on a, I, I remember something my grandfather used to always say. He said when you when you start calling somebody's name, you're going to forget somebody else's name. So I'm 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 not going to call any names tonight, but I'm just going to give a shout out to everybody that's out there that's locked in whether you call it that or not, whether you call it whatever you want to call it. But if you're out there doing your thing and you're working hard and you're clear about your vision, you're clear about your values and you're clear about your purpose, just know that um, I'm with you in spirit, and please go check me out at AlgernonCash.com. There it is, man. Shout out to the brother Algernon Cash. Thanks for coming through, my brother, and uh, looking forward to talking to you real soon again. All right. Take it easy, Pudgy. Keep it up now. All right. Take care. That's Algernon Cash, folks. AlgernonCash.com is the website. At Algernon Cash on Twitter is where you can check the man out. 619-638-8559. About to wrap the show up when I come back with my final thoughts. Going to talk a little bit about George Zimmerman, the, the, the George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin case. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like what I might have to say, but I'm going to give you guys what I feel like, what ha- what what I think happened. So it is it is what it is, man. You listen to the KRP Radio Show, number one black conservative show, Southeast of the United States. We do a B.I.G. We'll be right back after these messages. Boosie College, y'all. And life's no fun. I'd rather be with you, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather be with you. I'd rather be with you, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather be with you. I wanna hold your hand, oh, if I can, just be a man. I want to be your friend, not now and then, but until the end, I just love the way you like K-I-R-P, Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock, or the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this the lightest ever. Hey, Cam, thanks a lot for coming to my school today. No problem, Nate. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? And I'll grow up to be big and strong like you. Absolutely. I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. And be dressing number one. Maybe. And become the starting quarterback of the Panthers. Okay. You can be my backup. Excuse me? And make Panthers fans forget about you. What? And become your mom's favorite player. Whoa.
you'll be waiting for a pretty long time. This is L.A. This is what we do. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator. Get you out of your comfort zone inspire you to take action be risky and always stay true to your passion tiffany inc is located in los angeles california tiffany inc specializes in designs creative brands for the entertainment fashion beauty and food industry some past and present clients include jill osco jnk fresh llc celebrity chef nikki shaw teen and family producer doreen spencer the national association of veterans the alzheimer's association and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. Tiffanyinc.com. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists. Then, vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music tournament. to the KIRP radio show sponsored by ASP All Services Professional. They handle electrical, groundwork, plumbing, anything under the sun. If you guys need to schedule some kind of employ- some kind of repair, 
uh, definitely hit up ASP and uh, they will get you guys on the way in a flash. ASP, one of the leading contractors here in the triad of North Carolina. Uh, this this broadcast is also brought to you by uh, Adidas. Excuse me. Having a hard time here, folks. I'm trying to eat some food here on, on the break. Brother, brother's starving over here. But anyway, this segment is also brought to you by Adidas. Also brought to you by Geico. And we got to give a big shout out to TiffanyInc.com and Desheree Online Boutique. Uh, the weather, folks, for this week is in the triad. Got to let you guys know. Right now it is 81 degrees. I'm sorry, 74 degrees. And we've been having showers all day long. Monday, high of 88. Thunderstorms all day, low 71. Tuesday, 88, 80, 87 high, 68 low. Also thunderstorms and scattered showers. Uh, Wednesday, 92 high, partly cloudy, 67 for a low. Thursday, we're going to get up to 86 degrees, folks. It's going to be a little muggy out. Humidity is off the hook. Also, it's going to be 68 degrees for a low. Friday, we're looking at 88 degrees, clear, partly cloudy in the evening, 68 degrees for a low. That was brought to you by the Durham Bulls. Don't forget to check out the DurhamBulls.com. Next home game, folks, September 21st. Next home game is September 21st. Well, it's today, I'm sorry. <laughs> July 21st. Next home game will be July 24th on a Wednesday at 7.05 p.m. Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, let me just put this out here real quick. I, I was a little anxious to do this. That's why I was stumbling through everything else. My apologies for all the new listeners out there. Everybody who's been rocking with me, they understand what happens when I get excited. It is what it is. Uh, the elephant in the room, as we all know, is the Trayvon Martin or the George Zimmerman court case, uh, which was in a result of the death of a young Trayvon Martin, 17-year-old teen uh, out of Florida. So many people have been talking about this case and uh, the not guilty verdict that is driving me insane. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I, I get it. Because, see, what what the media has done, they've turned this case into yet another uh, a racial battle. They've turned this case into, frankly, just another reality TV show. That's what they've done with this case. Um, I don't remember, not, not even in the OJ trial, uh, which was a celebrity case in the first place, so I understand why that was on TV. I get it. I know what they do with celebrities. But, uh... There was no celebrity involved in this case, and and I'm not saying in 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 no means that, uh, in no way, shape, or form, am I saying that you know celebrities are more important than than our youth in today, or celebrities are more important than anything or anybody. I'm not saying that, uh, but you know, laying all the cards on the table, I don't understand why this case was different. I don't understand why this case was uh, uh, a, a media cry. You know, I don't understand, you know, a bunch of things about this case. But what I, what I also don't get is that how did this case, uh, you know, the court case in general, j- just the court part of it. You know, I, I've never saw, and, and like I alluded to, even in the OG trial, but I've never saw uh, court on a Saturday via television. And and I, you know I didn't watch the case, but when I when I realized 
you know, I didn't watch the TV coverage, rather. But when I realized that this case was on a Saturday, you know, something just slapped me in the face. It was like reality TV. You know, this is what they've done with this. This is what I see this as. This is this is what I view. And uh, I just don't, I don't appreciate it. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, laying all the cards on the table, no matter how anybody feels about, you know, the background or the makeup of the case, you know, no matter what people think, at the end of the day, this was still a life that was lost. And people have taken their emotions and their opinions and they've put the two together and they've come up with what they feel like is a justified conclusion of things or justified activity or, you know, whatever, man. People have just taken this and ran with it via their emotions and, and their opinions and, and their, their public outrage via what the media has made a reality TV show. Uh, I'm from the hood, man. I, I think I know a, a lot of people understand that. People that know me, people that have heard me speak in different places, you know, people that have, have, have interacted with me, a lot of my friends, you know, co-workers, you call it what you call it. I'm from what people would consider the hood, a poor area that was drug infested, that, you know, where a lot of people didn't have, where people stole, where people robbed. And I'm from a different hood because, you know, where I lived, it wasn't always like that. You know, my neighborhood was, in, in North Carolina, my neighborhood was a, uh, a, a partly black, partly white, working class, some on the edge of working class or poor, but for the most part, a very proud, clean cut, no issues, no crime, low crime rate area uh, where we went out, we played, we had a good time, and people enjoyed each other. You know, people sat on it for a porch, they helped each other out. You know, you borrowed eggs, you borrowed sugar, you borrowed water if you were that poor, whatever. You know, I'm from that makeup, and th these are the things that I saw, okay? Um, I can't wrap my head around a justified killing, um, which a lot of people support in this case. Like, I, ca I can't, I won't do that, and, and I can't do that. Being a believer in Christ, I can't support that. I'll never support that. I don't even support execution. You can take me to what scripture you want. You know, that's your business. At the end of the day, I don't justify the law of putting anyone to death. Now, hard labor, if you die working your ass off, that's just too bad. But I just don't support, you know, the killing of anybody at, at Mantan. So, you know, that's just me. That's just my makeup. So, you know, you might think what I'm about to say is is based off my background or based off how I grew up. And you know what? You're right. Because I've been through some situations, you know, when the neighborhood turned bad, you know, when the police really didn't care, when they didn't come by, when we called them on time, when people were selling drugs, and no matter how much people called the police on them, they ignored it, they allowed it to go on. You know, I'm from that background. These are the things that I saw. These are the things that I participated in. So naturally, those things are going to come out 
in my emotions and me expressing uh, myself or me offering my opinion. But here's just what I'll say about the whole Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman thing. And I'm going to put it to rest. You know, I will not do a show on that case because I can't justify it. And the reason I can't justify it is because I hadn't done a show on the thousands of soldiers that were killed in Afghanistan, of the thousands that were killed in Iraq, Iran, you know, of the thousands who were killed in Vietnam. I, I can't justify it because I haven't done a show on the thousands that have been killed in the inner cities or any city in the United States. And I know it's a different case. I know it's a different thing. I understand that clearly. Clearly. But I can't justify doing the show on this if I can't justify doing the show on those idiots that shot that baby, that, that kid that shot the baby. So anyway, I'm just going to let you guys know what I felt like happened on the night that Trayvon Martin was killed. And, you know, excuse me if I'm not all the way politically correct or excuse me if I'm not going into enough detail for you, but I'm just painting the picture on the way that I saw it and how, how I feel about it. <clears throat> First of all, I want to let everybody know that I felt like George Zimmerman, whether it be he was a bigot, whether it be that he was a hater, a racist, call it what you may, whatever he was, I feel like that man's George Zimmerman did not mean to kill Trayvon Martin, did not hunt down Trayvon Martin, did not chase him down with the intent to kill him. People aren't going to agree with that because whatever, because of the gun, because it was loaded. You know, everybody, you, listen, you have your reasons, but I don't feel like he left the house with the intent or he approached him with the intent to shoot him dead. I believe if he wanted to shoot him dead, he could have shot him dead. No one was around. They were in the dark. There were really no witnesses. He could have shot him and kept it moving. He didn't ever have to call the police. He didn't have to dial 911. He could have shot him dead if he wanted to shoot him dead, and I, and I firmly believe that. That's not excusing anything. That's just what I believe. But what I do feel like happened is that George Zimmerman was the type of guy, you know, neighborhood patrol or what may have you. So I feel like George Zimmerman was this guy like, hey, we got all these break-ins, and I'm going to do something about it. You know, I don't like it. All these, maybe it's N-words or or, 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 or whatever words there are, whatever derogatory terms he might have used in his mind, whatever derogatory thoughts he might have had, you know, I feel like George Zimmerman was the type of guy to say, you know what, I'm going to do something about people breaking in all these houses in my neighborhood. And there's Trayvon Martin, typical 17-year-old in 2013, rap, hip-hop, pop listening, I'm not going to take it from nobody. Weed smoking, whatever. Cigarette smoking. These are the teens that we have today. I'm not saying these are all teens. I'm not saying that. 
But I'm saying majority of the teams that are out here today, guess what, folks? They're not the best little kids anymore. 16, 17, 18, 19, most of these, you can't tell them nothing anyway. Most of these kids, you can't tell them anything. They're not listening to you. They think they know it all, like we did when we were that old. So here's Trayvon Martin coming from where, I don't know if Trayvon Martin was coming from the store. Apparently he was coming from the store. He had Skittles and tea. But, you know, I don't know what his intent was after that. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I know Trayvon Martin went up, was, was, wasn't doing anything bad. I don't know what he was doing, but I don't care. At the end of the day, Trayvon Martin walking in his neighborhood, and he had the right to do that. So George Zimmerman sees this guy with a hood on who he feels. You know, he looks like one of these people that might be breaking their houses around here. He has the right to that opinion, so fine. He starts to follow the guy. So now he loses him. He calls the police. Hey, following this guy. He was headed this way. Uh, you know, maybe he saw him again. Maybe he never lost him. I don't know. But he called the police at the end of the day and said, hey, you know what? There's a guy in the neighborhood. He's probably breaking their house. It's a piece of crap. You know, I wish I could find him. What do you want me to do? You want me to follow him or no? The police says no, or the 911 operator says no. Stay put. Stay where you are because, let's face it, that's what they're trained to say. Stay put. Stay where you are. Don't follow him. Was George Zimmerman, well, George Zimmerman, like anybody else, that so-called neighborhood watch or big bad guy or, you know, the, the, the neighborhood bodyguard with a pistol. You know, he ain't afraid of nothing, especially with a pistol on you. I mean, who who's afraid of something, really, with a pistol in their waist? Think about it. So George Zimmerman's like, you know what? I don't care what the hell they say. I'm going to follow this guy because I ain't going to let nobody else get away. So he takes off and go in the direction where he thinks this guy is or, or where he knows this guy is. But it just so happens, the direction that he goes in, is the direction that Trayvon Martin is in or is hiding at, which is, what did it say, a thousand yards away from his house. So what is any teenager who's already cocky, like most teens are, what do you think is going through his mind? Man, this SOB is following me. He ain't got no right to follow me. I'm just minding my business, doing what I'm supposed to do. He better not. Oh, there he goes. Well, I'm close to my house anyway. So now you know what? When you when you were a kid and you got into a fight and if your mom was standing outside watching, you ain't going to run. You're going to fight. So what do you think Trayvon Martin did? You know, when, when he saw the guy or they approached each other, they had words. Now, does anybody in their right mind think those words were nice, peach, and calm? How you doing? Taking a nice stroll this evening. Does anybody really actually believe that George Zimmerman went up to the guy and said, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going? I doubt that. You got to be naive and stupid to even believe that these two, if they had words, they weren't heated words. They weren't fiery words. So I believe that these two had words, and it was really going down. I think they got into an argument. I'm sure Trayvon Martin said, who the F are you to follow me in my own neighborhood? I belong here. What's wrong with you? And I'm sure George Zimmerman probably said something like, I don't even know you. I've never seen you before. What are you doing over here? You're probably up to no good. So at that point, between a few heated words, see, some of y'all out here, you comment on this stuff, and you've never been in a fight before. You never had a pistol pulled on you before. You never pulled a pistol on anybody before. Never been in a gunfight before. So half of y'all talking don't really understand what the environment is like when you're in a situation like this. I do. It was hostile, folks. I'm sure they were in an argument, and guess what? Trayvon Martin being a 17-year-old cocky guy, 
cocky kid, maybe with an attitude or not, who knows, don't care. He probably punched the guy who was following him in the dark in what he considers his own neighborhood. And guess what, folks? Most of us, if we're toting a gun or holding a knife and someone follows us in the dark, we're probably going to pull that out. That's right. So I'm very sure that the two, in the middle of their heated words and their argument, Trayvon Martin probably punched the guy that was following him. Pow! Now they're in the tussle. They hit the ground. Trayvon Martin gets the best of this kid. Skinny 17-year-old kid gets on George Zimmerman. He's working him out or whatever he's doing. I don't think he's punching him too much because his face wasn't swollen. No black eye, no busted lip, couple of scratches. So I'm sure they were scrounging around. George Zimmerman's not a punk. See, y'all, y'all, y'all got to understand, George Zimmerman wasn't a punk. You know, he, he followed the kid in the dog, so he wasn't scared. You know, he's got a gun on his waist. What is he scared for? So Trayvon Martin punches him. George Zimmerman's fighting back. I believe George Zimmerman got Trayvon Martin off of him. And in the midst of trying to get up real fast, what does he do? He pulls his pistol out. Because guess what else? Now let me jump on this side. Guess what else? Let somebody punch you in the face and you have a pistol on your waist, and you tussle, and then you got a chance to get it out, what are you going to do? So I believe George Zimmerman pulled out his pistol, and he points it at Trayvon Martin. Now, like anybody with good common damn sense, you're going to stop in your tracks. Now, I don't know if this was a couple seconds. I don't know if this was a minute, but I firmly believe that was the helpful cries that you heard because you didn't hear, uh, help, 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 help. Like you would hear in the fight, you heard somebody go, help. And now there's a gun on you. The guy didn't pull the gun, so you're going to scream for help again. Help. Help again. Power shoots Trayvon Martin because guess what? They're still angry. You can't forget that this boy punched this man in the face. So he pulls the gun out on him. He screams, Trayvon Martin screams for help. Power he shoots the guy. Now he's, he's thinking in his head, man, I got this gun on me. This guy done punched me. I can't get caught with this loaded gun in my hand. People are going to come. Pow, I'm going to shoot this guy. And that's what he did. In the midst of anger, in the midst of being punched in the face, in the midst of his head being passed in the ground or whatever it was, being scratched or whatever happened, he shot Trayvon Martin. And that's what I think happened. Let me tell y'all something. If the man wanted to kill the boy in the dark, I'm sure he would have done it. Before going through all that, before getting his ass kicked or whatever happened, I think he would have pulled his gun out and just shot the kid. Or he would have shot somebody by now. Was he irresponsible? Yes. Was he guilty of being irresponsible? Hell yes. But at the end of the day, he didn't mean to kill that kid. And I'll believe that to the day that I die. I think if you ask George Zimmerman right now, without the cameras being on him somewhere out there, he's told somebody, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to kill that guy. So I'm going to offer you, I didn't mean to kill that kid. So I'm going to offer you guys up this too. If you know anybody who has killed someone purposely or by accident, and when I say purposely, I mean in doing their job, having to live with a, a homicide or having to live with the fact that you've taken the life and you saw that life leave out of a body, is a hell of a lot worse than any prison sentence you can get. Save your outrage for your own kids and your own community. I'm out of here. You can like it if not. Welcome to the thanks for listening to the KRP Radio Show. We're gone.
Biggie. 